Happy Wednesday. Welcome to The Green Front. I'm your host, Betsy Rosenberg, and I'm very happy to have my co-host, D.R. Tucker, with me, as well as uh, someone who's a favorite guest to the program. Uh, I think this is his second second or third appearance, and I'm talking about Mike Stafford. He has written yet another fabulous column. Mike is a former Republican Party officer and the author of An Upward Calling, and his most recent piece appears on the Cagle Post. It says, Some Help, Mr. Romney, and it is directed towards uh, the man who would be president, the Republican candidate, of course, and some of the, well, crazy things he's been saying lately, not once but twice, talking about what he is not in the um, race to do, and he's only out to help American families. A little bit of a disconnect there. I myself was so inspired by that uh, comment that I wrote a piece, hopefully, for the Huffington Post this week. Uh, it just it really deserves some some comment and some amplification and some exposure because um, still mainstream media, they talk about all Mitt's flip-flops, but they don't really talk about his flip-flop on climate change and his position on clean energy, which has changed radically. We're going to have a little example of that in a first uh, segment, just a moment. And it just, uh, I think, really needs uh, a little bit more um, exposure to the fact that if this man were president, he would not only take us back environmentally, but could just doom us in terms of uh, climate change and carbon emissions, given that scientists say we have two to maybe three or five years to turn this around. And last time I checked, uh, presidential administrations uh, last about four years. So that is why this uh, election is so particularly important and why we are focusing so heavily on it on the program. So welcome, welcome, Dr. Welcome, Michael. Yes, how are you doing? Thank you, Betsy, and, 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 and thank, you, thank you very much for having me on the program again. Good afternoon, and good afternoon, Dr. It's always great to talk to both of you. Well, right. you know, it just so happens you're talking about our favorite subject, and that is um, this um, candidate called Mitt Romney, who just completely um, astounds us. <laughs> he never cease, ceases to amaze us in terms of his not getting it. And, and I wonder if he forgets that this is a YouTube era, that um, things do get recorded, and when you make comments like the one we're going to hear on this YouTube clip in just a minute, you can set it up for us, you know, that there, there was a big crowd there applauding as he was, you know, talking about how he will not uh, create jobs that kill people. And it's like... Uh, don't we have memories? Uh, doesn't he have a memory? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's the YouTube era, but it's also sort of an Orwellian era, isn't it? And in the, in the, <laughs> at a time where, filled with, where, we're, where the electorate's filled with very low information, very low attention span voters, you can be rather shameless in, in changing your position and contradicting yourself. I mean, that, you know, you look, you look, climate's one example, but on a range of issues, he holds positions that are dramatically to the right of where he was um, just a few years ago, and he's, he's, he's really none the worse for it. It doesn't really seem to matter, which is astonishing and troubling all at the same time. Now, if I recall, um, did you um, officially leave the Republican Party? I know you are a former Republican Party officer. I think last time you were on, you were saying that you could no longer in good conscience vote as a Republican, if, if I'm remembering uh, correctly. You're, you're absolutely right, Betsy. I did leave. I'm a registered independent now. Uh, down here in Delaware, uh, which is a solidly blue state. So it, whether I remained as a Republican or an independent probably wasn't going to have much of an impact on any of the elections, uh, at least where I live. But, well, yes, I think it's I significant, and, especially if that had anything to do with uh, your party's position on climate and environmental issues. And, of course, it does. It, it does. It's, it's the position on climate, but it's, it's broader than that. I mean, when you look at, and it's, it's mentioned in that column, when you look at what the Republican House of Representatives has done over the past two years, the relentless assault on, uh, God, a, a range, just about every environmental measure on the books. And we're not just talking about obscure regulations that were dreamed up by some 
EPA bureaucrat. I mean, they targeted the Clean Air Act, everything. It's, it's, I, it, I think it's historically unprecedented. And, it, you know, in the, in the column, I call it ecocidal. And I think that's really the term that we ought to use for it. It is an, a, a comprehensive assault across the board on the full range of environmental measures uh, and protections, public health protections that we have in place, Target, targeting the EPA. Um, you know, when we look down at the state level, we've seen, obviously, Virginia's attorney general targeting uh, climate scientists, climate researchers. I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with his, um, his attempts to, uh, to, to harass Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we see at the state legislative level, I mean, North Carolina, where they've attempted to, by legislative fiat, declare that the planet isn't warming and that the seas aren't going to rise. It, it, would be, it would be all comical if it wasn't so sad. But, yes, that, that all played a very big part in my decision. And there are still some very good, very sane voices out there in the Republican Party. But, um, you mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're minority voices, and they're, they're, they're getting fewer by the day. As people sort of uh, sort of bleed away, and even meteorologists are starting to speak out. Next week, we're going to have Paul Douglas on. Uh, he is a weather forecaster based in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area and the founder of Broadcast Weather. And he just wrote a piece for the Huffington Post, and it's called "Top Ten Reasons for Republicans to Accept Climate Reality." And he goes through all the extreme weather events. Uh, so it is getting political yep. science. Yep, and I and I read his piece, and I love that he's had a couple of really good ones out there. Um, the thing that I tried to do in mind that I thought was a little, a little unique was I, I wanted to tie when I, when I heard Mitt's remarks at the, at the convention in Tampa, I immediately thought back to I knew he had said something very different back when he was governor of Massachusetts, and I, I remember him having said something about not killing people with 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 dirty jobs, and I hunted around for it and I found it on YouTube. And here we and, have uh, it. Sure enough, yes. Matt, let's go to the videotape if you have it. That plan will not create jobs or hold jobs that kill people. And that plan, that plan kills people. And PG&E has been given a notice to have it cleaned up by 2004, and they have thumbed their nose at the people of Massachusetts and Salem Harbor by not cleaning it up on time. And he's thumbing his nose now at uh, just about everybody. Yes, it's either it, it, unless it's a very clever ploy to uh, make a grab for support from inland voters who have nothing to worry about if the seas do rise, uh, <laughs> and they may even see their properties. I mean, maybe there are some Piedmont areas in, in North Carolina where people are thrilled about becoming beachfront property. I don't know. Um, I, 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 it's remarkable how much has changed in just a short a short period of time. Well, and uh, I really wanted to I wanted to contrast those two different promises. And speaking of short-sighted, I mean, as if that was not a big enough disconnect when he said that at the end of uh, his acceptance speech, and I, as I wrote in my piece, totally out of the, you know, out of, out of left field or maybe out of right-wing field <laughs> in terms of ideology, where did that come from? Why did he have to bring that up? And as if saying it once was not bad enough, while um, New Orleans was still inundated with waters from, you know, Hurricane Isaac, talk about insult to injury, he then said it again on Meet the Press. Uh, and when I heard that he had said it again, I thought for sure David Gregory must have asked him, what possessed you to bring that up, you know, out of context? No, David Gregory didn't ask him. He just threw it in again, as, as I said, as if someone was whispering in his ears, you know, get these, get these taglines in, even if they have no relevance to or, or context to what you're talking about or actual, you know, um, being grounded in, in any kind of truth or reality. 
Well, they're clearly not playing for independent voters. I mean, if you're if you're a voter in say Ohio, um, or 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 North Carolina or Virginia or or, or even Florida, I mean, any of these crucial states that, that really have to win. Um, if you're still in play this late in the game, is doubling down on standard talk radio conservative fare on climate change really the way to get those people motivated to vote for you? And I think the answer is clearly no. So that means he's, he's trying to speak to his own base. I guess it, it signals a concern on their part that maybe the base isn't as animated to support him. Maybe they're concerned about um, um, about 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 turnout of their own people because that's really the only folks that it plays to um and it just develops that 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 false dichotomy that green is anti-growth that you can't have jobs you can't have prosperity and be environmentally conscious at the same time that addressing climate change is going to be a noose around our necks and it's it's just false and then you know as you know and as dr knows the reverse is true. I mean, this is something we have to address if we want to be prosperous, if we want to have the kind of future that, that all of us want for our country and for ourselves. If, that, if, we, if we want to protect American families and farmers. Absolutely. A- a- absolutely. Look at, I mean, look at Arkansas. Look at Oklahoma. Look at these areas where, that are being hit so hard by, by the drought. You, know, you read news reports out of those areas, and you know, farmers, their fields turning to dust, they get dust. Romney's friends uh, high up in the corporate world and their financiers get these bloated profits. I guess for anybody listening to your program who's, who's in any doubt about what a Romney administration is going to mean when it comes to energy policy, I mean, to me, it's clear as day. He is, they are literally going to drill, dig, and frack every last ounce of oil, gas, and coal out of the ground, and they're going to burn it. And they're going to burn it all off into the great holding tank we call the atmosphere. And we all know what the consequences of that are going to be. There, there will be zero chance of uh, stopping sort of the runaway train of, of global warming at a level that minimizes or reduces the likelihood of some of the more severe impacts. I, I'm a parent. I've got three little kids. That's not the future I want for my children. Um, so, Mr. Romney, you know, help me. Help me secure the same future for my kids that 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 I have right now a, a world that's livable that's not mired in 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 the kind of dangerous um, the kind of disorder that's going to spin out as climate change worsens that's that, that's not facing you know semi-annual massive droughts and food shortages and just all the other impacts that we're going to be dealing with here in in, in a very short span of time uh, Mike, uh, I wanted to bring up the issue, the controversy that that came up over the uh, ScienceDebate.org discussion that Mitt Romney and Barack Obama had over climate change, and how Mitt, in that discussion, seemed to take a uh, a less hostile tone towards climate science. And my theory is that the Romney campaign is torn between two realities. The first reality is that they have to know that based on polling data from George Mason University, Yale University, and Stanford University, that there is a lot of independent and moderate Republican and Democratic support 
support for taking a strong action against climate change. But the other reality is that he has to, as you suggested, secure his base, and his base has been bamboozled with balderdash for 25 years on this issue, so he literally does not know what to do. So it's like you'll have this sort of schizophrenic reaction where in science, out to sciencedebate.org he'll say, yes, uh, I, I think there's legitimacy to the science, and yet he'll go to the Republican National Convention or go and meet the press and say, I'm not trying to you know, slow the rise of the oceans. Could it be that, that the Romney campaign literally does not know what it's doing on this issue? I think that's absolutely possible. I mean, do you think that climate change or environmental policies are, are the – is that the policy hill that Mitt is going to pick to die on on principle? I don't, I don't see any evidence of that. I mean, I think he's going to say or do whatever he thinks he has to say or do at any particular moment in order to secure the presidency. And then once he's in office, he's going to want to get reelected, and that's going to mean feeding more red meat to the base. It's going to mean making the corporate donors uh, happy enough to continue the financial backing. And uh, so, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, I, I think he... He's smart enough, and he's 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 been around enough to know that the science is fundamentally sound. So so he knows the reality, um, but he's got to appease that base. He's got to appease that rabid base. I mean, the GOP's created a monster. It's mm-hmm. created a monster. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the the long term solution for the party is. You know, I almost I almost feel sorry for them. They're sounding so stupid and so inept, um, but I know better. Too much at stake to feel sorry for them. <laughs> it's it's painful. It really is painful. I feel sorry for our country because you need we need a legitimate, rational second party. Um, I know, and it's, all we have to do is think about the Koch brothers and the fossil fuel industry funding them, and you know, and uh, the Heartland Institute, the Competitive Enterprise Institute, and I get my anger up much more than my sympathy. But my God, they are bumbling, and that has to be good for Obama supporters and those who care about the climate and our planet and our children and our future. Assuming Obama actually carries through and 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 does something, that's that's you know, with Obama, when it comes to climate, we still have a chance. But it's going to have to be more of a priority for him than it's been before. The reality, though, is that the GOP, and I mean, absent, absent a complete collapse by Romney, my, my, my guess would be that the GOP retains control of the House. I mean, the majority may get a little bit slimmer, but they, they, right now my expectation would be that they retain control of the House. How is Obama going to get anything through? I mean, uh, you know, if he comes back to Congress with, uh, with a cap-and-trade proposal, it's dead on arrival. So, what, what's the recipe for the what's the what's the prognosis for the next four years? Complete gridlock. What do you um, think? It's, disheart- it's disheartening. What do you think about going to the EPA and and using their abilities and their powers and their authority to crack down on emissions? Do you think that's likely to happen? I, I think it is. I mean, I think it's the I think it's going to be the only way. Uh, it's going to be an urgent. It is going to quickly morph into an urgent national security priority. To address this, the, the only the wild card in the mix, and it's 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 horrible, uh, but but it is it is the the wild card is if the impacts if we have more summers like we just went through if we see and people can 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 look out their windows and, and you, know, you see the trees blossoming a week or two earlier every year, um, the reality of it just really starts to hit home, 
And that may create that critical mass um, that's necessary for, for action to address it. Um, maybe we'll have some kind of catastrophic storm of that, something that just puts it right in front of everybody's face that makes denial no longer tenable um, for any for, 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 for all but the, the, the most you know diehard dead ender denialist out there. Um, maybe maybe that'll happen, but but barring that, I mean, it really is hard to see uh, a President Obama and a Democratic controlled Senate working with a Republican controlled House. To, to pass any kind of legislation that would that would address this, it's a, it's it, it is it is some, a, a bit of a sobering thought. It should motivate people who who don't want that to happen to make sure they they support uh, people who will actually have Obama's back as he, as he tries to do something about this. Uh, uh, Mike, I don't know if you had a chance to see the uh, the story this morning on on Tucker Carlson's site, The Daily Caller, about one of these uh, uh, fossil-fueled think tanks known as, as I call it, the ExxonMobil Enterprise Institute, the Competitive Enterprise Institute, now complaining about the fact that uh, some conservatives, such as Bob Inglis, are in support of, of, a, uh, of a carbon tax. Could we right. foresee a, a split between the, the more pro- oil elements of the GOP and the more pro-Teddy Roosevelt elements of the GOP, and is that sort of the only hope we have of some sort of action on this issue, that if the party just splits in two over the issue of climate and energy? I, I, I think that is, I mean, quite honestly, and those, and those Teddy, what, what, what the Teddy Roosevelt and, and Bob Inglis is, you know, number one, a great American, a great conservative. A person who that man that man is what a conservative really is. Mm. Somebody who is concerned with the stability of our society, about preserving it and our institutions and their legitimacy far forward into the future. That's that's the that's the core of being conservative and, and, and Bob Inglis is definitely one, no matter what the right wing nut jobs on the radio say. Um, the problem we've got though is Who's going to fund it? I mean, the pockets on the other side are are so huge. So the Teddy Roosevelt wing of the party, I mean, we need to identify who, who are the benevolent billionaires who are going to dip into their fortunes and, and pony up the cash to fund our think tanks and to back our candidates' campaigns and to Good put question. messages out in the media. That that's what we don't have. We have there. There are more of us than people think. Um, I mean, the response that I get to the articles I put out there. Is is overwhelming. I would say I would say that there is a there would be a groundswell of support for what you might call a uh, you know a progressive conservative sort of bull moose approach to some of the issues, both economic and environmental, that we're facing today. Um, and I think you could really build a coalition coalition that spans the right and the left on some of this. Um, not saying that all the divisiveness would go away, but there's room to work. But who's going to fund it? That's the, well, that's, that's such a good the, question, and, and I've been, been saying for for many years, you know, where are the environmentally minded, climate concerned Warren Buffetts, Bill Gates, George Soros's of the world? I mean, we've got the Koch brothers just pouring endless amounts, millions into this disinformation campaign. Everybody, if you, if you want to say that represents one percent, you know, they're yeah, a strong fossil fuel industry one percent, but ninety nine percent, I would say, one hundred percent of the people are going to be impacted by climate change in this country and around the world. Why are we not seeing? You know, people who should be concerned, who are in a position to d- dig deep into their pockets, step up, and what will it take? Well, you know, I wrote a piece um, about two months and a half, two months ago, for uh, uh, the Australian Broadcasting Company on this, and it was written from sort of a, 
uh, a faith-based angle, talking about climate change as a as a as a moral issue, as an ethical issue. And uh, one of the one of the points I made in there is that you know we 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 live in the West, I think. In this, we have this false sense of security that climate change, the worst impacts, we're going to see images of people in third world countries starving. There's going to be desertification. Yeah, the Maldives are going to sink under the ocean, but it's not going to impact us here, or our money is going to save us. Life is just going to go on as it always has. And and it's a it's a critical critical mistake. And and the point I made in that piece was, you know, we don't have. We don't have lamb's blood on our door. This angel isn't going to pass us by. The impacts are going to destabilize all of our societies. And I think for for the, the benevolent billionaire out there, um, or the moral billionaire, the billionaire that remembers that the suffering that's being created here is impacting people that that we are commanded to love and call brothers and sisters. That person has to understand that there, there's no safety. That the the, the the safety of the gated community of the, you know, the Baghdad-style green zone is fleeting. It's fleeting because the disorder will find you. And we're trying to save all of us. You included, Mr. Billionaire. So please help us. It, it, it really is. I mean, it, it, is, it is a project for all of us because if the more catastrophic impacts do happen, there's not going to be safety anywhere for, for, for any of us or our kids. And, and or, course, or as Rage Against the Machine once said, there'll be no shelter. No, there won't be. There won't and, be. And even, even, even if life goes on, it's going to be in a world that, by our standards, would be, in many ways, dystopian. I mean, do you really think about the migration flows and what that's going to mean? Think about the food crises and shortages, the dislocation based on the sea level rises, the pollution of aquifers, the death of the you know the, the bleaching of all the coral reefs in the country. I mean, it's, it's going to impact us. It's going to impact us on uh, in so many different ways. Why? Why in our right mind would we want to pass on that kind of a world? We're going to have to live in it. I mean, folks like Dr. and I are. We'll be. We'll be. We'll be older, but we'll, we'll still be around. Um, and Betsy, I don't, you, you look very young in your photo on Facebook. So I'm assuming, <laughs> that, you're, you're, that picture is not, not so recent. We'll be around. We'll all be around. We'll all be around. We've got to think about it. We will see it. We, we are see already it. seeing it. We are already seeing it. And you mentioned about no, the fact that there's no shelter. What about the shelf life of greenhouse gases? I mean, even if we put the brakes on tomorrow, which, of course, we're not going to, um, it's still going to be there. There's like, what, a 50-year lag time? Right. It's like a, the, the analogy that I always use is uh, it's like a freight train. You know, if you're, if you're operating a freight train on a railroad and you throw the emergency brake, guess what? It doesn't stop on a dime. It's going to take a couple of miles to slowly halt. Same is true with, with, with with uh, with climate change, um, and that's why we have to act today. I mean, we're talking about two to three years, tops, four maybe. Um, and I and I don't think you know while while carbon emissions you know here domestically are down, China, India, uh, other places in the world are uh, more than making up for that, uh, dipping our own numbers. And you know more to the point, you know when you look at the energy sector, if we really do burn all the oil, gas, and coal that we've found out there on the planet, we're done for. We're done for. As Bill McKibben's 350.org campaign is focusing on going after the fossil fuel industry because they have so much to earn, so much to burn, and uh, let's face it, uh, history says they're not going to be going for the altruistic uh, alternative. They, 
they won't. And Bill's article that I believe it was in Rolling Stone. Yeah. Um, really, it's an eye-opening piece. It's something everybody ought to read and and really pause and think about. Indeed, it was it was a, it was a great piece as as was yours and that and. Uh, nice. I'm, I'm hope, like I said, I'm, I'm hopeful. Uh, I, you mentioned, you know, the possibility of the EPA taking action. I think one other possibility is this court case that uh, uh, Betsy has mentioned with Alec Lors uh, that's going through the federal courts. You know, could we see the federal courts basically saying, you know, mandating that the government take action on this issue? And wouldn't it be something if once again, as was the case as we've seen throughout recent history, when the legislature won't do anything, when the politicians won't do anything, it's up to the courts to provide justice. Maybe it will end up that way. It might. I mean, my hope would be that we address it through the democratic process because that would mean that we built a required consensus mm. to give the policy, you know, the the legitimate the legitimacy that it's going to need out there in the public domain. You know, you, I mean, just look at look at the reaction to the Affordable Care Act ruling from the right. I mean, do we really want to have one more court decision that the right wing puts up there uh, and 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 just identifies as a target to take down and I I don't I, I would I hope I hope in my heart that they were able to address it through Congress through the democratic process um, because I think that that would mean that there's enough of a consensus out there across the political spectrum supporting whatever whatever action we're taking and Mike part of this I think part of the Part of the game that we haven't got to yet. I mean, and it, it, you mentioned Heartland earlier. I mean, Heartland was the um, the think tank that helped you know for so long to prop up the tobacco industry. And mm-hmm. I, I've always wondered if the, the the legal fights against big tobacco don't, in some ways, provide a model um, for how we might ultimately go about making um, the uh, the rich folks in the energy sector pay. For some of this irresponsibility, I mean, look what happened to uh, Philip Morris, Star J. Reynolds. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of differences, but there's been a comprehensive misinformation campaign waged intentionally to prevent action on this issue, so certain people could make fabulous heaps of money. And the bill is now coming due. Uh, we saw the same thing happen in tobacco, and uh, you know there was a there were there were uh, there were judicial remedies for that, so it, it, it's it's something to think about. Uh, I, I would, if I was a major energy executive at Exxon or BP or or at Koch Industries, you know, I would I would I would be thinking about that at night. I would be keeping a, keeping my mind on that and thinking about you know, five ten years down the road when the bill is being paid, uh, are people going to come after me legally for my role and my company's role in this disinformation campaign? Mm-hmm. And the last point I'd like to bring up before we let you go, Mike, is uh, this article. I don't know if you saw it, but Dr. and I talked about it quite a bit. Uh, Bill Blakemore, ABC correspondent, wrote a great piece about why the mainstream media is not covering this issue. And of course, that's our our pet peeve here, and something I'm well, passionate about. And and you know, he had basically, as I read it, you know. There's two reasons. One, uh, there is the fossil fuel uh, special interest influence, and two, that it is just so big. In fact, he had a great metaphor metaphor that I guess he came up with years ago that he reintroduced. It's not the elephant in the room. We are all inside the elephant, meaning it's so big, it's so, you know, um, it looms so large that it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, let alone our arms, and to really cover it 
Uh, and yet we, we think we do a pretty good job here, but somehow mainstream media uh, doesn't quite see the import or the uh, impact of this, you know, looming crisis slash crises. Well, and it's hard for them to, it, it, in the age of, and go back to the, the age of the low information, low attention span voter, how do you explain the science in a, um, in an understandable way in, uh, you know, in a five minute interview on a major, on a major cable news network? Uh, talk show. How do you how do you do it, and how do you do it in a way that that makes people identify the correct information as superior to the the, the drivel that's put out by the other side? That's 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 the that's the heart of the problem because people aren't paying attention. They're not they're not thinking it all through. And as soon as you start getting into well, you know, you need to you need to understand that the person that the the, the climate denialists are putting out as a spokesperson isn't even a scientist, or if they are a scientist, they haven't published in a peer-reviewed journal in 25 years. All people are doing that, and, and, and this is what peer review means. And You know, when the National Academy of Sciences says climate change is real and it's happening, this isn't one guy. I mean, it's not like Al Gore is sitting there dictating this. It's right. hundreds of scientists participating anymore. in a collaborative process. Yeah, there's too many messengers. You can't kill them all. Sorry, guys. And, you know, also, uh, DR and I have been long saying that uh, what we need is a designated program that's on every single day. Make it seven days a week. You know, make it live. Make it interactive. Make uh, all the experts that are, you know, coming on shows like this on a mainstream platform somewhere so the rest of America can get in on the conversation. That's what it's going to take, and that's what's also been sorely missing. And uh, any regular listener of the show knows this is, this is um, our, our battle cry here. But until it happens, it will continue to be. I um, want to thank yep. you so much, Mike, for joining us, and I want to tell everybody to read your fabulous new article. Uh, it's on the Kegel Post and probably uh, can be found if you Google it, Michael Stafford, uh, who is a 2003 graduate of Duke University School of Law, also a former Republican Party officer working as an attorney in Wilmington, Delaware, and author of the book An Upward Calling. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your busy day, Mike, to join us to talk about this new piece. By the way, there's a great cartoon in your column. Uh, it shows a scorched earth picture with the sun beating down uh, on what looks like um, <laughs> a very uninhabited planet Earth and a guy looking really hot and steam coming out of his ears and he's holding a sign that says global warming is a crackpot theory. Yeah, we're, we're cracking up here. <laughs> Thank you, Betsy, and thank you, DR, and keep fighting the good fight. Thank you. When we come back, we're going to be speaking with someone from the League of Conservation Voters about a campaign they have underway to get climate change be part of the upcoming presidential debates. We'll be right back. And you can turn it around.